Hi there, church family. Good to be with you through the video today. Try and do the midweek discussion on the message this past Sunday. Uh, we started our Ephesians series back up last week, I think. And we are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 today. Uh, but really, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 is like its own little section, I, I guess you, you would call it. Uh, because Paul starts talking about what do we do now if all this stuff in chapters 1 through 3 is true? All this theology, all this doctrine that he had taught us about what God has done for us. Remember, he talks about, he's talked about election, predestination, adoption. He's talked to us about redemption through Christ, the work of the Spirit in our life as a guarantee. He's talked to us greatly about the mystery that has been revealed about the Jew-Gentile divide is no longer a divide, but, in, but we can all be found in Christ, and Christ makes us one body together. And so we've seen all these great truths, and now... As we get to chapter 4 through chapter 6, Paul kind of switches gears. He's going to continue to do some theology stuff, but he starts talking about action. Like, because of this, as a result of this, now this is how we live. This is the type of people that we are, and we do it because of what he has done for us. And that's very vital that we remember that. Because of what he's done for us, this is now how we live. We don't live this way so that he will do those things for us. Those things are done. He's done it for us. And now we continue to grow, we continue to be molded and made into the image of His Son. And these are the things that God uh, has us do. And so that's what we'll see throughout chapter 4. And in chapter, in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 4, the first place that Paul goes is he starts to talk about unity, how we need to be united. And in verses 1 through 3, which we'll talk about today, it's kind of like our character, what our character should be in this in this unity process and us being unified. And then in verses 4 through 6 of what we'll talk about uh, next week together is the understanding that we're unified because God is, God is unified and how we are unified uh, under Him and in Him and through Christ. And so we'll look at that next week. But this week was uh, our character. Uh, <clears throat> at the beginning of the message, I talked about... Uh, the different types of people in this world that you have thinkers and you have you have doers and you got people uh, who like to um, create processes maybe or or be creative and think of things or or like architects you know you like to design a building but the architect's not necessarily the one that out there building it they're just making sure everything is right mathematically and schematically and all these things and so you got people who are like your thinkers but then you have people who are just your doers. And the doers sometimes will just jump in. They want to work. They want to get dirty. They want to get their hands on the things. They, they like to work that way. That's the way that they think. Uh, they like being given a list of rules or a list of, hey, could you get this stuff done today? And they're going to go and they're going to get it done. They're going to check the list off and they're going you know, to do that type of work. And we're getting now to the section for the doers, the people who really like the doing. Um, but it's important for us to remember that like James, the book of James says, don't just be hearers of the word, right? But also be doers. Be doers who are doers. But, but he doesn't say, hey, don't be a hearer. right? We need both in our lives. We need to understand why we are called to be good husbands and wives in Ephesians 5. Like, why is Paul going to get to that? Well, it's because of our basis of what God has done in 1 through 3. Um, I really felt, though, in the sermon... Uh, it felt extremely heavy to me, but I think it was because we have had a long period of talking about the truths of what God has done, and now we get into the first, so therefore, be humble. 
do this, right? Do this. It felt, I don't know, I don't know if you got that sense at all uh, being in there, Spencer, but it it felt heavier because now the dues were coming out. And it, it, there's this realization as you go through each one, which we'll do in a moment, of humility, gentleness, patient. All of a sudden, in my mind, I'm thinking, uh, fail, 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 mm-hmm. fail. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> where, where before I'm leaving with these great truths of like, you are secured in the Holy Spirit. You have a guarantee. It's like, oh, I feel pretty good. Like, this is great. And now all of a sudden we get into the action and I realize already three verses in, I have failed in every action, it seems like, mm-hmm. all the time. I don't know. Did you get that sense in it at all? Or? I mean, I think it was definitely, uh, it was a really good sermon. It was really good, helpful um, I mean, that's what the Word of God does, though, yeah, right? Yeah, I think yeah. if uh, the, the the Bible teaches us that it's like a sword and mm-hmm. it cuts us and it does that, it does surgery on us. So the Word of God is living; it's it's not a dead word. And so, whenever you speak a word like this, um, yeah, it's going to cut us, and that's a good thing. It's it's God is about killing and getting rid of the old self and making alive the new self in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I thought it was a good, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe a little solemn, but it was, but it was really helpful. It was, it was needed um, to do that. And yeah, I think really that verse one right there kind of perfectly pairs together the thinkers and the doers because he says that he wants us to walk, uh, live our lives I think I read elsewhere in some other uh, book they talked about this is your moral conduct, right? To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we've already talked to the, about the calling to which you have been called. Now make your walk, your walk, your life needs to match that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Match and be and reflect. Mm-hmm. Uh, since this is true, therefore. So yeah, and you have both of those together. And like you said, you can't just be a doer if you haven't actually heard because then you don't know why or what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. But you also can't not do because then you actually haven't even heard it yeah. right. the first time around. Yeah. So they go together. Yeah, there's supposed to be a... The, the reason that you're able to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called is because something has happened. Mm-hmm. And if you even go back into chapter 2, that same language of walking is mm-hmm. used twice in the first 10 verses of chapter 2 where he begins by saying, yeah. and you were mm-hmm. dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And so there's one manner of walking. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of those 10 verses, after going through this idea of being regenerated and made new and in Christ now, you have in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So there's again, the idea of walking. And now in chapter four, mm-hmm. what is this walking? What's the manner to which we are mm-hmm. to walk? Yeah. And so we are reminded, yes, of our our failings in these and why we always have to go back to the gospel. But we are new creatures creatures in Christ now. And we do walk in the newness mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. but but the whole point there in those first ten verses of chapter two is that there's been something that's happened that has made you able to walk mm-hmm. where you were once dead in your sin, now you're alive in Christ. Right. And you're able to hear that and respond to it. Right. Yeah, and that's important, I think, that distinction because in our society today, the big call is to be who you are, right? Be be who you are. Be who you're meant to be and whatever that is. And people are defining that for themselves. And I can't tell someone 
who they are, you know. And so when they say, I'm, I'm not a boy, I'm actually a girl. I don't even have the right anymore to even speak into that, according to, according to society, to say, because they're saying, this is, this is who I am. And really, it's, it's what we're saying here, though. What Paul's starting to say is he's saying, as a believer now, you've been saved by the gospel, right? All this has happened to you. Now go be who you are mm-hmm. in Christ. Be who you are. And so as Christians, we would, we would say that statement very true. Be who you are. But there has to be an understanding when we say this, of what our basis is. Mm-hmm. That's why chapters 1 through 3, what you said about chapter 2 there, is also very important. And the struggle that we have with society right now is when they say be who they are, there's no, there's no standard. There's no nothing there mm-hmm. anymore. It's just very wishy-washy. And that leads to a lot of dangerous things. But when we get here, yeah, what Paul is starting to say is we're going to walk in this manner where they were calling. And that's why we asked the question at the beginning when we got into it is, number one, what is our calling? We need to know mm-hmm. what our calling is if we're going to walk worthy of it. And so we talked about that uh, briefly, of how we all have the same calling as Christians, and it's to give glory to God in all things. That's what we're, that's what we're called to do. And so whatever area of life we live, wherever we live, if we have a family, if we don't have a family, wherever we work, our friends, whatever it is, as Christians, our calling is to always give glory to God. Now, the great thing is, we talked about this some on Sunday night, more than Sunday morning, but God has even laid out for us how we go about giving him glory and reflecting his glory. Like he's given us very easy, I say easy tasks, we fail at them I think all the time, but of, of gathering together to worship together, of reading his word and knowing his word, of living out his word, of prayer, right? These these simple mundane things, but this is our calling together that we do as we, we serve God faithfully and give him glory. And we actually have the ability to do that. And I referenced chapter two, verse four through six, because God stepped in, because he stepped in and he's changed our life. We now live in Christ. And so we have the ability to go and walk worthy of the calling. And so once we know what our calling is, then we say, well, then how do we walk worthy? What does this look like? And where Paul goes is he, he lists some words for us. And we looked at these words in the sermon. The first one was humility. Because he says, with all humility, right? First of all, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He goes straight to unity and he says, first of all, the way this is going to happen is through being humble. And so when I talked about humility, I, I tried to do the basis of this is the opposite of pride, of being, of being prideful. And so we see in Scripture where we are supposed to rid ourselves of pride, this is something that I don't know if we ever get over. I don't think we do <laughs> on this earth. No. Uh, it's a battle. And, and so this is where how we mentioned like, all right, I fail in this one. Like right away when it comes to humility, it's like, I often think about myself mm-hmm. all the time. Like I'm hungry. I want this food. I want to go here, right? I want this to happen now. I want this room to be this temperature, not that temperature, right? I mean, it's, it's just what we do, and it's a struggle to humble ourselves. But Paul, right away, talking to this Gentile church who's gathered together, says, you guys got to live a life of humility, mm-hmm. of humility. <clears throat> and so I actually shared a, I shared a quote from Boyce where he said, pride is easily wounded by what we consider thoughtless or unfair conduct by others. Of how that just hurts, right? And it, and it grips. But yet in the Bible, it says like Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than 
yourselves. And that just begs that question, you know, how often are we obeying this simple thing that is the very first thing, the very first command, well, really the second, we were called to remember earlier. But the second command that we see in Ephesians, be humble. All this is true. Christ has done all this for you. Here's what I want. Could you just be humble? And yet it's so hard. It's so hard to do. Could you read that voice quote again? What was that? Yeah. Um, it's uh, pride is easily wounded by what we consider thoughtless or unfair conduct by others. And so, like, I think the reason I wanted to quote that was because if we are doing, you know, if we're actually trying to kill pride in our life, like, we're actually working on that. We're saying, okay, I want to care about others. But then all of a sudden, you do a very thoughtful thing for somebody. You know, just, I'm going to show them my appreciation. All it takes is for that person not to recognize. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all that humility, all that love that you're just, boom, just burst out and yeah. pride is right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, just how easy it is. Yeah, I really like that quote because, it, like you said, it shows the other side of how, of how our pride manifests mm-hmm. in our life. Of that it's not just, I mean, you tend to think of a prideful person. You might think of a person who brags a lot or has a very high opinion of themselves. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, you can experience your own pride in a very quiet way when someone isn't thoughtful enough to ask you your opinion or to do something or whatever. And so it's almost like a, you experience your pride in a more passive manner. But yeah, yeah I mean, the question to ask yourself then is, I mean, why do I feel like I deserve that? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm hurt right now. You know, so mm-hmm. I, that's mm-hmm. a that's a good quote. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. I like that. And so this is something we can always work on. Does our conversation show humility? Do our actions show humility? And again, I think it's important. Maybe I could ask you guys if you agree with this. I, I think you will. But Paul's addressing a church, and so as he's saying these things, I think we need to think of them in relation to. The church. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm assuming these the the you right is a corporate you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's not just saying like each of you individually. He's saying y'all. Yeah. All. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all need to walk in humility. So these are corporate commands because mm-hmm. it to walk in humility requires you to live in society with other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things about pride, the way it exhibits itself, Philippians. Uh, what was it uh, two again? Do nothing from rivalry, mm-hmm. because pride always is competitive. Pride always wants to be the best, right? And wants to be climbing the pedestal. And so that's one of the things I think is very interesting here. Is Paul? Notice how he is urging this. He doesn't say God commands you to do this, which he does. He says I urge you, and he regards himself as what a prisoner. For the Lord, and at the very end, He's going to t- remind us of His chains. So, the person who's preaching to us this wonderful message of salvation, and then calling us to not simply humility, but with all humility, is a guy who's in jail for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so that that reminds us, it's not like a guy that's on a televangelist in a really you know nice suit with the cloth right there, and you know he's got a beautiful church and all this stuff. And this is a guy that's in prison. He says, I'm an ambassador in chains, a prisoner for the Lord. And if anybody is, and so he's, he's exhibiting this, this humility already. Mm-hmm. He's in a humble estate. He's learned, he says in Philippians to abound and right. to go through whatever. 
And that's what, and so he's in a sense a living example. Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. He was an imperfect example, but I think that's a powerful image there of this prisoner for the Lord, a father figure in the faith, urging us to walk in all humility and gentleness. Yeah. Because here he is suffering for the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he wants his spiritual children, so to speak, to imbibe as well yeah. as he's writing to them. So I just think that's a helpful context. And, and whenever I was reading it after the sermon, that, that word all, uh, complete, utter, all comprehensive humility, not just humility, but mm-hmm. all yeah. humility. Yeah. That's, a, that's, he's really <laughs> hammering that word to all of us, I guess I should say. But yeah, yeah to, that this is first and foremost, the mark of Christ likeness. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's great to remember that this he's talking to the church. Yeah, you know, it's like I mean, of course, we as individual Christians listen to this and to walk to exhibit those as part of a church is to exhibit them personally. Mm-hmm. But I think it's. I mean, it might be uh, fairly obvious, but it's helpful to realize this that if this wasn't going to be a problem in a church, Paul would have no need mm-hmm. to tell us about it. And so I just think it's helpful, like as you read this text, to to recognize that it's me specifically being part of a church, I am going to be tempted to be prideful, um, harsh, and impatient with people. And instead of bearing with another person, I'm going to want to, you know, run them into the ground or whatever. But and so just to recognize that this is going to be a temptation within and as a part of the church, specifically as I relate to my brothers and my sisters in Christ. You know, we want to see that, like, great harmonious picture of a church living uh, in fellowship together, but the reality is sometimes things get messy, and that's where we have to remember these these things, where not only I'm going to have to be humble and patient and bear with another person, sometimes people are going to have to bear with me, too. Um, and that's part of the humility is recognizing yeah. that the mm-hmm. the humility I need to exhibit, I'm going to need from other people too mm-hmm. at times. And that's mm-hmm. often one of the most helpful things to remember as my need to show kindness and gentleness to people is being reminded that like there was a time when they showed me gentleness mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just think it's helpful to realize that, uh, you know, living in the church, we shouldn't expect it to be perfect. I guess is just what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just one of those helpful reminder passages mm-hmm. about it, I think. Mm-hmm. So the first word we get, walk worthy in your calling. First word to describe that walk is humility, which is difficult. But that doesn't get easier because then he goes to gentleness. And so in the message we talked a little bit about, we looked at Christ's gentleness and dealing with people, um, how he helped you know, the woman caught in adultery. He handled her very gently. Um, or even even the woman at the well, I didn't mention that, but we can see how he handled her where some would say it wasn't gentle, but where he did show her kindness and compassion and care. He pointed out her sin and mm-hmm. helped her to see the sin. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 12, they take a quote from Isaiah uh, to show the gentleness of him about talking about how a bruised reed he will not break and how Christ fulfills, fulfills this, how Jesus is fulfilling this. And just... The way that I brought it out in the message, I know it's helpful for me. God has used it in my life numerous times. Thinking of being gentle, first of all, to people outside the church, I'm going to speak. Because, again, I think he's talking to the church in the church. Be gentle to each other. Love each other. But that is going to 
hopefully spell out how you handle everybody. And just having this understanding that the people who are not Christians are going to act like non-Christians. We need to understand that. And then to handle them in a way of gentleness, understanding that they are living with no hope. They have no hope. Their hope is in something that is false, that is fading, that will be gone. Whether they think that or not, whether that they understand that and that's how living, no, we know that. And so we need to treat them that way where we, we love them in a way where we are willing to handle them gently in their faults and their troubles because we know where hope can be found. And we want to be able to share with them this hope. And so right now what I see a lot of times is Christians, instead of being gentle with non-Christians, is being bullies almost. And don't get me wrong, there's a, there's a balance, and I guess we could talk about that if we wanted to. There's times you've got to take a stand. This is wrong. You know, and something in society, you could take, say, abortion. Where Christians take a stand. This is wrong. This should not be happening. And where you almost seem bullyish, like, no, we're not going to stand for this. This isn't right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we never do that. We, we need to do that. But we have to be people of gentle spirits and gentle in handling, especially with individuals, uh, as we come across them, as God puts them in our life, and being willing to, to love them. Uh, but then also within the church, being gentle with each other, uh, understanding what you said. This isn't, we are imperfect. We serve a perfect Savior. We serve a perfect God. But we are not a perfect people. We fall short. And so, you know, Spencer says something that gets me mad or whatever. I have to, number one, be humble. Remember, it's not about me. And number two, I need to be gentle because this is my brother in Christ. And so I want us to have a good, loving relationship. And so maybe what he said I misunderstood or maybe what he said came from he's had a horrible morning. Maybe he cut part of his thumb off well, this morning. That, can happen. that happens sometimes. Yeah. And you just got to handle it. Right. You just got to deal with it, don't right. you? He gave right. me a dirty look. Did you see it? It's I like don't know a, who it is. It was a that. side <laughs> look. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly... When we, when we stop thinking about ourselves all the time, we start mm-hmm. thinking about other people. I, I've tried to do this. I'm not perfect in this at, right. at all. But you start to think, I wonder what's going on in their life. Right. And I wonder what they're, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder right. what they're experiencing. Maybe this, that has to do with how they're acting. Right. Or maybe, that, you know, maybe they come in here and they're angry, but they, you, I don't realize they cried the whole way to church because sure. of whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. No, whenever you were talking this sermon, I thought of a lot of people that this really applied to. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, uh, um, obviously. But um, no, really, I think one of the things, too, is, is I, one brother told me this one time in the past, and he said, you know, sometimes you don't know this, but maybe the thing that drives you nuts about that person also drives them nuts about themselves. <laughs> yeah. And they know they're that way. <clears throat> and they know they have that tendency to be that way. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just That's a good point. Giving people, and I'm saying this as someone who's not good at this, but giving them charitable. That's one of the things we're called to do in the Ten Commandments by not bearing false witness. Yeah. The opposite of that is I'm supposed to give you the benefit of the doubt as far as I can. Yeah, right. Now, mm-hmm. if obviously, if you're saying something that's plain by the ordinary understanding of the words and it's obvious you're way off, I mean, I'm not going to be a, a jerk to you, but I'm. You're being honest, but if there's a, if there's questionable ways in which you're saying something or whatever that is, 
I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So I think, yeah, our default mode should be like God's, and that's gentle and humble. And Paul was this way, but then you're right, there's other times where, like, and we're not apostles, like, uh, mm-hmm. but, but like he would write to the Galatians and write some pretty stern words. I mean, well, even he, to Peter. We to saw Peter. Him act with Peter. Like, and he loved those guys. Yeah. He wasn't doing it because he was trying to destroy the church mm-hmm. or to destroy Peter. He was trying to rescue them. Yeah. And so, um, the, like you said, this doesn't mean you never, there is a place for straightforward, honest, you know, real conversation in a, in without slandering people, obviously, and whatever. But the default mode, which I think was what Paul uh, was calling for, is 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 humility and gentleness. Also, um, I think I read this somewhere <laughs> one time. Uh, but Paul, it's interesting. He emphasizes gentleness because I wonder if naturally he wasn't. You think about his personality and acts before coming to Christ. He's, I would assume that he's pretty dogmatic and like going he's after to arrest Christians. Throwing, yeah. yeah, I mean he's he doesn't strike you. Saul of Tarsus does not strike you as a gentleman, well, but but after coming to Christ, yeah, it makes you wonder because you'll see this kind of emphasis throughout his letters where he's he's loving and gentle, and that seems to be a work of God's grace. And maybe also you think about John, um, the apostle, how you know he's part of the Sons of Thunder. But then, what's yeah. he always writing about? Right. Love. I know. <laughs> Afterwards. That's a hard thing. There's different dispositions with people. I, right. I would say one of the things I get ridiculed the most for is lack of compassion. And that, when yeah, people, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> but when people say that, that's very hurtful to me. I understand what they're saying because I am direct at times. But to me, a lot of times, the most compassionate thing I can do is tell you the truth. I don't want to be the person who's going to lie to you right, and let you just fall off the cliff. I want to yell at you. The cliff is like five feet away. You've got to stop doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. And Don't use that hatchet right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? Sometimes let an adult. Let an adult do this. <laughs> okay? Yeah. <clears throat> and so for me, recognizing that, though, about myself is that I'm direct, is I really try to think through. I really do try my best to think about what are other people going through? What can I say to them and what shouldn't I say to them? <clears throat> and there's times where I feel like I could be way more direct and I'm not doing that and I'm trying to show great compassion or to act like I don't care. Um, and so it's hard because I think there's different dispositions of, of people of how this comes across. But that's where the humility aspect mm-hmm. comes in of where I'm saying it's not about myself. Mm-hmm. And so you might show me compassion very different than how you show me compassion, but you guys are both showing me compassion and I should be thankful for that, right? I should be mm-hmm. thankful for that in my life. And so, you know, trying to be gentle with people can be different, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, of how you of how you do it. And there's there's certain people you can be more direct to, and there's other people you you can't be mm-hmm. all the time super mm-hmm. direct. Uh, and you got to know that, and you got to understand that. And again, not think that you are the one always who has the answers mm-hmm. to solve everybody's problems mm-hmm. um a lot of that i mean like you said it, it really depends on the person that you're dealing with that's why gentleness is not defined by you and your personality it's yeah. defined by the person that you're talking to yeah that's yeah. how you i mean it's like if you hold a fish differently than you hold a moth mm-hmm. in your hand you know if you hold a moth too tightly you're going to kill it 
because its wings will crush. Mm -hmm. A fish you have to have a firm grip on. You're not hurting it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, it's not defined by you and your personality. That's where the humility comes in <clears throat> yeah. of saying, well, like, well, this is just how I deal with things. Mm -hmm. No, not valid. Not valid because that's not humble. You're right. not treating that person with love because right. you're not thinking about them. Yeah. You're still thinking about you mm -hmm. when you do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but I think that's also why, I mean, I've been trying to think of like how this works out, but like this, doing these things and walking in these things, part of like being able to receive, because some people are so um, timid or they're so easily hurt mm -hmm. that it's hard to be gentle enough right, with yeah. them, right? Yeah, it's, sure. it's hard to do that. But that's why I think all people, especially within the church, like we, every single person, man, woman, teenager, elderly, middle-aged, like we need to have space and people in our life that are also Christians that we kind of, I'm giving you, Tim, permission to speak to me and bring things up to me that I need, like I, I'm walking in sin or I've, yeah. been, I've had bad habits. I need you, I'm giving you permission to come talk to me. When you come talk to me, regardless of how gentle you are, I've already made the decision I'm not going to be offended by it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let my pride well up. Um, just being willing to hear that. And yeah. I think that helps at that time when you have to take a stand, when you have to talk to somebody right. about it. You be as gentle as you can, but um, talking, I guess that's more in terms of like when I'm not doing these things, what kind of mechanism have I put in place with my brothers and sisters in Christ to help bring me back where mm -hmm. I'm not worried about getting offended or things. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. we have our regular things of, yeah, you need to be in prayer. Uh, you need to read God's word where you will see it yourself being at church, worshiping, hearing, teaching from that, but also like living in community with one another, with people we've given permission to have those conversations with us mm -hmm. needs to happen. You know, yeah. um, just goes better that way. Just because of time kind of, you know, he goes on to patience, having patience with one another, how that's important, how we are to bear with one another in love. And so I talk some about how we bear each other's burdens. The scripture tells us we do that, that when my brother or sister in Christ is finding joy, I have joy. But when they're hurting, I'm hurting. And so being there for one another and the difficulties of that, that yes, if we are going to wade into each other's life and let each other in, then it's going to make my life busier. It's just a matter of fact. Like that's going to be part of it. There's going to be times I have this trajectory of life and it gets slowed down because I'm having to care for my brother or sister in the Lord. The way I would think of it is like I'm always so thankful for those people who they literally, it seems, stopped their life because their elderly mom and dad got sick and they just took them into their house. And it's like this is just, a, you'll, you'll talk to them and you're like, man, things are really changing. Yeah, but i got to take care of my mom or dad. I mean, it's just something I'm supposed to do. They literally like stop their life for whatever it is because this is, and that, that should be reflected also, I think, in the life of the church at times where I'm willing to stop this because you need help right now. And so I want to go and, and help you, whatever, whatever that is, right? And, and others are doing that. That's, that's one of the things that we do in the life of the church because we bear each other's burdens and we do that the best that we can. But Paul says all this is so... We need to be eager to maintain the unity and the spirit of bond of peace. It seems like Paul is talking about if there's one characteristic in the life of the church, I think he'd probably say love <laughs> would be the would be the main one. Um, but unity seems to be very important. Like it, it seems in Paul's writings that he's saying, guys, you have to stay united above everything else. Make sure you are united. You be united in Christ and 
I understand that, which we'll talk more about next mm -hmm. week. And he's already talked about. Be united in your love for each other that you have. But the world needs to see that you guys are united. And what unites us, the first three chapters that we talked about. And so do whatever it takes to be united, right? Humble yourself greatly if you have to. And so what does that mean? I, I tried to share just a few things. Maybe you guys could think of more. But I said, this definitely means if we are going to have a bond of peace within the church, it definitely means we will be taken advantage of sometime. And I'm going to be taken advantage of by people in this church. They are going to take advantage of me. I'm going to know that. I'm going to understand that. But sometimes that's what's going to happen in order for there to be peace. I will be hurt. There's times I'm going to be hurt. And I might not get the apology I want. I, you know, The hurt might last for a little bit. But if, if my goal is for this church to stay united, I can only do my part. I can't, I can't force you to ask forgiveness or whatever. I can't force any of that then it's, I'm going to have to be hurt. Uh, rid ourselves of pride. Sometimes we're going to have to take a lesser position in the church than we think we're fit for. Like, I think I'm better than just doing this job. I should be doing something else. But for the bonds of peace and unity, I need to be willing to do that. Um, sometimes we'll do things that we don't want to do. Sometimes we won't do things that we really want to do. Why? To keep the peace. Right? To keep the peace. Um, and so I read, I finished with Philippians, Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I just think that's so opposite of what we seem to be doing nowadays. Instead, we don't go on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all these things and talk about the cool things that are happening in the church. We air how angry we are. We, we talk about the thing that makes us so frustrated. I mean, if you want to talk about it in terms of our country, the mess our country's in or whatever, do you think, do you guys think, I, I'm pretty sure we could write a list of a lot of good things about our country. I really do. I mean, <laughs> we could make a really big list of like, this is why I live here. Like, this is why I'm happy to live here. But we don't hear about that stuff because we tend to want to think about the bad and the negative, and that's what we air, and that's what we get out. And that just creates division, that creates strife. And in the life of the church, we should be focusing on the good things that God is doing. We, need, we should be focusing on those things and speaking of those things well because, number one, we all want to experience the joy of Christ every day in our life, and if all we're doing is bashing each other that's not going to happen yeah and that's that's so that's even more deep-seated than what we realize sometimes i think because it's not only that's what we easily want to talk about is the things that make us frustrated but also when we actually do see people saying good things that are going on our first move is not to celebrate that but to criticize it <laughs> yeah. and to find something negative about it be cynical or something. yeah and so i mean it's like we it's like we're not even ourselves able to share the good things it's also that when other people do, we're not able to be happy about that. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's very deep-seated in us yeah. to want to do that. It's hard. Yeah. And, I mean, it's sin, right? And it, and that's what Paul's getting at. We, we, we are humble. We need to be gentle and patient. Why? We do this for unity. Bear with each other. Mm -hmm. We do this mm -hmm. to be to be unified. And 
I think that's why it's so hard for me sometimes, you know, to be labeled as, oh, you don't have compassion or whatever. I feel like <laughs> one of my big tasks as pastor is is being, trying to be compassionate and gentle with people and trying to think of the broad range of people we have in our church and come to decisions where it can be unifying in some way, shape, or form. And then, you know, to have people say, well, you don't care about my needs or you haven't even thought about this or you're showing no compassion here or the way you said this was just... I always have to look inside and say, was I doing that? But no, it's like I'm try we're trying to be unifier unifiers here, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to get I mean, my dream would be for everybody to walk into these doors and just love each other and mm -hmm. oh, how are you doing? I mean, just like be a great place to be, a very safe mm -hmm. place to be under the banner of of the Lord together. Um and so I, I hope that's something you guys do as well as pastors, but I feel like that's where my mind is always trying to go, is in, but at the same time being firm on truth. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it is the unity of the Spirit, Spirit. Yeah. and he's going to tell us what that unity is found in. Mm -hmm. The unity, and notice he says maintain, don't create. Right. We don't create unity. Right. Yeah, we maintain we it. We maintain unity that exists because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Of, of the first and three so that's And that's the other side of the coin, too, where it, the, the unity that he describes in 4 through 6 is doctrinal unity in what God has done in Jesus Christ. And within that, mm -hmm. like you guys have been saying, we are still going to be imperfect, though. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, to maintain um, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One of the verses that... Um, comes to mind too with all of this is when God says in Isaiah chapter 2, he says, stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath or something like that. For Of what account is he? Mm -hmm. We all think too much of ourselves. And I think also, I'm still in this from Truman's book on Luther, but one of the things he points out real quick is, I'll but, is that we often think we're so special. And our society tells each of us that we're so special. But the gospel tells us that we're actually not. Right. Your problem is the same problem everybody else has, and your solution to the problem is the same solution everybody else needs. So you, you are loved uniquely, but you're really not that special in the sense in which, and that's what Paul, it calls for humility <clears throat> to realize actually, like what you were saying with the, the doctrine of God at the last night too, I'm really small. And I've got the breath of God in my, breath of life in my nostrils only because he puts it there. So whatever he asks me to do is a privilege, mm -hmm. whatever he gives me to do. And so it, it's, it's really, humility is not necessarily something I need to, um, it, I have plenty to be humble for. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to be prideful about. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, just look at all the stuff in your life and you'll find plenty of stuff to be humble about. Yeah. Um, and realize God has everything to be gloried. <laughs> about and that's but that's wonderful because that's the place we're all supposed to be yeah. as, as individuals well it's a very challenging word i think that paul gives us right away but we're thankful that you know the the love that god has given us is not based on how well we do this even he's loved us he's called us right. he's adopted us into his family he's redeemed us through the blood of his son and hopefully we understand that together and even this sunday as we did lord's supper together you know, and understanding that even in that act, even in the, the act of Lord's Supper that, that God has given us, He's done that. One of the reasons behind it, there's, a, there's other reasons, but one of the reasons is it unifies us because we mm -hmm. understand as we take that bread, as we take that drink, that cup, it's not about us. 
It's about Him, and He's brought us together. Mm -hmm. And apart from Him, we are sinners, lost and with no hope. Mm -hmm. But because of Him, we've all gathered here with hope. And we take this in remembrance of that, of what He's done, and what, what God did for us to have that unity and that mm -hmm. hope. And so uh, hopefully at, here at our church we can, we can keep that unity that God has given us, that that can be our focus, that that can be our center. Um, of why we do everything we do, why we love each other, why we care for each other, why we're willing to hurt with each other. It's because of what He has done done for us. Well, I look forward to continue going through Ephesians. Like I said, we'll be in verses 4, 5, and 6 this week. I'm sure this stuff will be sprinkled in there too because it's a section together. Uh, but read ahead, uh, look at it, maybe study it, and we look forward to seeing you Sunday.